Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to bleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Welcome to the award-winning, the BAFTA-nominated, the uh, Academy Award-watching podcast. No, actually, we're not an Academy Award-watching podcast. That's not uh, we. That's yeah. we take not a stand for a couple there. of years, but the, it seems like they're coming back to the light somewhat. The Academy. We'll keep an eye bit. on that for you. Uh, but we also uh, we um, have been. Uh, we won a, a Grammy. We won. Uh, let's see. What are the awards? We we won um, a baked carrot from the uh, Society for Unpleasant Gifts. We uh, won uh, uh, a. Um, I don't really uh, a, understand that one. What's so unpleasant about a baked carrot? It's pretty yummy. Uh, well, I know. I think that's and I think that's the play on it. Yeah, I think uh, that they're like, oh, people think that this is bad, but then you get it and you're like, oh my god, I really like this. I didn't this even know really I good. wanted a baked carrot until I was eat, yeah. consuming this, and now I'm just yeah, there you real, go. yeah, that's true. Um, all right, and the uh, and the uh, lifetime achievement uh, in sad songs are nature's onions um, award for uh sentimentality uh the movie show with joel and ryan uh welcome 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 i am joel i'm ryan and of course we have a super awesome special guest yes we have if you were watching you know the two people and apparently my dad might start watching so hi dad uh if you start watching the video version of this hey joel's dad Um, thanks for tuning in hi joel's dad yeah yeah uh but uh good friend of the show brian crossland is here yay i'm back i'm back uh, Brian joins us for a very special episode. And now, you know, normally when we say special episode, that means that we're entering into like a six parter where we're going to talk and uh, really break down or maybe do nine volumes of a year in review um, or something. That's not that's not what this is, though. This is uh, um, this is about a man, a fine man, a good man. A man that's um, so impressive that you had to go out and get new apparel for it. And folks, yep. to tell the kids, it's quite trippy. So go on YouTube and watch this. Yeah, it's uh, it is it is a tribute show to uh, the one, the only William Hootkins. William but- Michael Hoot Hootkins. Yep. And um, who is Hootkins? You might ask. Well, I mean, come on. William Hootkins. William Hootkins has been seen in some of your favorite films. You just might not know that you saw him. If you are watching the video version, you know him, of course, as Jack Porkins in Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. 
but before we get to that, we're, we're, we're going to get all to, to all of that. We're going to get to that. Right, well, let's check in with our good friend, Brian. How are you, Brian? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Oh, you know, it's April. Sometimes it snows in April, as the man says. Sometimes it snows in April. Yeah, Uh, 10 inches from a blizzard. Yep. Yeah, viewer, uh, listeners and viewers of the show, uh, you know, long time, you know, we're uh, we're Minnesota based. And proudly um, so on most days. And we and we just yep. got a dumbass snowstorm. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was a little better the snow than the tornadoes. Good Lord in heaven. That's yeah, that's seriously. true. Yes. I mean, same, these are, again, same these... storm. But, you know, yep. at, at this point, we were almost blessed to be too cold for that stuff up here. Yes, that is that is a very good point. Um, and uh, so we but but that being said we still had to uh it still sucked it puts us in the top five all-time minnesota snowfalls on record and there's more there's potentially more snow coming tuesday and wednesday so we're we're feeling a little Uh, shell-shocked and a little uh just a mm -hmm. little bit obstinate toward the weather right now i think that's a natural feeling yeah the the april fools on all of us here in minnesota was that we thought we were getting spring yeah exactly Yep. Oh yeah, because we did have some very nice weather. Twas uh, oh, yeah. a false spring. <laughs> twas, twas indeed. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, we've so, already. If you don't have anything bit... better to talk about, you will, uh, <laughs> you will restrict your comments to the weather. I think mm-hmm. we've shown that that's how you just how you do that with wit oh. and a survivalist attitude. Yep. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> Uh, oh, you betcha. Uh, betcha. All right. Um, Brian's not even technically, I mean, he's lived here forever, but he, you know, he's, he's, he's an East coast boy. I am. I am. He's got his, you betcha down. Well, he's one of them Chesapeake people. That's not exactly East coast. You're not quite to the East coast yet. Are you Brian? (laughs) No, really. It was outside of Washington, DC. So that's, you know, depend. The Potomac was there. Yeah, yeah, but Still that's yeah, there you go. That tributary, and you know, yeah. you, I'm just saying you fit in here better than you know, probably you maybe thought yeah. at first. It's 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 not like yeah. coming from uh from Baston or something like that. Baston, yeah, yeah, it's definitely been uh, more welcoming than I had anticipated. That's for sure. <laughs> and you, you you got the impression down, so you fit right in. Yeah, oh, oh you yeah, you, people would never know. <laughs> People yeah. would never know you're not from here. No, <laughs> no not no. in the slightest. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we gave a little introduction <laughs> to uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. William Michael Hugeskins. Um, and um, so, yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be breaking down some of the iconic performances and we're going to make you go, oh, that's right. He was that guy. Uh, hopefully at least like four times four or five times in this show well we've always threatened to do that i mean we've talked about great character actors but we've talked about Mm -hmm. mostly pretty renowned very famous almost movie star people this guy's one of those he's one of those that guys that we always say we're going to do a show on but never do and i really do feel like we picked the right one to kick things off with at least for if you're if you're of our generation no offense to the ladies who we really cherish and adore, but if you're a dude, I just really think you're going to connect with the memories that come up in the show. That's the whole mm-hmm. thing. And it's a countdown. 
not in order, but hey. But it is a countdown of a sort. Yeah. Um, so let us indeed count down some of the greatest performances by good old Hoot William Hootkins. Ten seconds. Red five standing by. I'm always red two, so I can't look at the size of that thing. See, I even know my lines, and you, but we just um, they're on target. They're on target. I need a sandwich. I think that was the chatter. I think that was cut. Chatter red two. That's the next line after mine. Thanks. Good job. Good job, red leader. Yep. Gold leader. Was Red Two well that wasn't Biggs, was it? Was Biggs Red Two is Wedge. Yeah. Wedge. Wedge. I'm sorry, yeah, that yeah. was Wedge. That was right. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember what Biggs was. Red I mean somewhere right in there. Red four, maybe. Yeah. 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 And uh our beloved William Hookins uh is credited in the film Star Wars and New Hopes. First time I ever saw him in anything as Red Six. But to you mm -hmm. Star Wars insiders out there, you know him better. You know his whole backstory. You know everything there is to know about him because that's how it's done in Star Wars fandom. He's uh, better known as Jack Porkins. Jack Porkins! The only yeah, overweight person in the entire <laughs> Star Wars A New Hope. Yep. And his name is Porkins. And yep. we can Jack talk about Porkins. what that means. But I was saying before we started the man. show, because the next a lot of shit. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. There's a lot to talk about with Jack Parkins. But the very next appearance mm -hmm. on our list, he's plays he's, he's stars in Hanover Street as a character named Beef. Beef. This is the kind of cat we're talking about, and he definitely understood what his he understood the what the character in his case in the term character actor meant. You know, a little bit of, I don't know much about him. I mean, he's done some interviews and stuff because he is part of these fandom-like projects. But uh, the thing I do know about him is that he was a, he was a good friend of uh, act, a more famous character actor, John Lithgow. John suggested that he train at Lambda in England. And almost all of these for a while it gets a little more diverse as it goes but almost all of these are hollywood films made in britain that needed somebody who could play an american and who there's so there are a lot of canadians we've talked about this phenomenon john ratzenberger there's a big long list of guys yeah. who are in these same group of movies essentially um all shot in england that could convincingly play americans and who was an american with a British, you know, uh, screen uh, union card and could show up for all these. And I mean, he, he, as a character actor, as a one of the three a chubby guys, you know, he was the one who basically won all these roles. Yeah. Um, it was a cottage industry for the man. And it's one that we're real super grateful for because one thing he did... And even in Star Wars, even in this tiny role where his half his face is covered and he's only it's sitting in this little cockpit that's on a gimbal mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and interacting with nobody else in, or nothing else in real life, he gives a memorable performance. Part of it is he's a, he's a chubby X-Wing fighter whose name is Porkins. That's just memorable. That's just how it goes. He's, his mm -hmm. death 
his sense of denial when his when his uh, <laughs> yeah, when his down. when his yeah. machine go, starts to go bad and starts to break up, we all sympathize with that because he goes down thinking everything's going to be okay. Um, that whole assault, you know, the whole damn Buster's recreation, that assault on the the Death Star at the end of of you know, the early reviews came out and Roger Ebert thought it was too long and too repetitive and, and all this, but it's like we were just reenacting it before the show started and and, and while yep. the show was starting and you we know every single thing in that. What part of that would you take out, Brian? Nothing, right? No, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not a like, second of it. Nope. And I encourage you, I hate to say this because it just adds to the stereotyping of the Porkins character, but there's a fantastic animated gif out there where Porkins is trying to hold his X-Wing together and he's holding uh, a burger in one hand and a thing of fries in the other instead of his steering wheel. And he's doing this like he's trying to eat the burger before he blows yep. up. And it's weird. Yeah, it's a little demeaning. Okay, I admit it. It's true. I'm a little overweight too and I don't really like But Same hand up. But it also, in a weird way, you guys, it adds to the tragedy because he he barely touched those fries before he went down in flames. And I just feel like, I feel like that's one of the greatest non William Riker animated gifts of all time. And I encourage you to go out there and check it out. But, um, yeah, there's, uh, Porkins on its face. What, what is he? What happens to him? What's the deal? Poor man. Porkins. I got it. I'm on Wikipedia, which, you know, that's the big old star. Yep. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, he's first got, of all, they've Jack worked Tono, it all out for this guy. That's they true. really have. Jack yeah. Tono Porkins. <laughs> so we have a middle name, Tono. Jack Porkins. And here's here's the thing the guy's last name is Porkins, nicknamed Piggy. He doesn't need a nickname. Plus, Why of all the Star Wars names. And we'll get to this yeah. later, but of all the Star Wars names, they're all shit you've never heard of before in your life. Why Why is the fat guy get named Perkins and has a, a pig nickname? Yeah. How did uh, that survive that. The, the, yeah. the, the special edition cuts? It's in the you alternate know? universe. Like, yeah. It's not canon. <laughs> I, um, well, yeah, he, the, the canon appearances, I mean... Uh, he's in a whole bunch of uh, novelizations and comic books uh, yep. that are apparently officially canon. Um, he's apparently Poe Dameron mentions him several times in in um, in a Poe Dameron comic. So that he his fighter appears in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh my! It's it's along I mean, so with he most was of a, the rest of Red Squadron mm-hmm. and. Yep. He was a traitor uh, who left his homeworld of Bestine IV uh, after the Galactic Empire moved in and built a military base, and he joined the alliance uh, to uh, the rebels. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. He was uh, reassigned to the alliance's main base on Yavin Four and was placed under the command of General Antok Merrick as a seasoned rebel pilot. Oh my, this is insane. After a battle near uh, Kashyyyk, Biggs Darklighter suggested that Porkins uh, take, that they take a vacation on the planet Earth only to find out that where they were vacationing was already reserved by an Imperial officer. Oh, hmm. oh Porkins. Um, Just didn't have very uh, good luck. He did the of- right thing, but he didn't have very good luck. 
Porkins you know, and Darklighter. That the adventures of Porkins and Darklighter. Why? When are we getting that uh, Disney Plus series? So it's, it's, com- it's probably coming. But you it's know what? This speaks. This speaks to the power of Hootkins as an actor to have inspired people now 40 years on <laughs> to still write and add to the story of a character who has probably what six seconds to 10 seconds of screen time yeah maybe 15 mm-hmm. even but it's less than half a minute of screen time i would yeah. say for sure that's how much of an impact he made on our psyche in 1977 and afterwards for all those who didn't who weren't watching it then but like right there that performance was powerful enough that somebody said no here's this whole backstory and they they, they even have piggy in school like <laughs> they were they even have the night before the battle of yavin um uh porkins dished out drinks for his fellow pilots at of base course one. he dished out drinks dished yep 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 so red six was the so here this is what you're what you're talking about uh brian um he was apparently red six was the uh he was the wing one of the wingman for uh zal uh dennis uh, he and uh, Nozo Natan were the uh, wingmen. Yeah, we're not getting Nozo stories. We're nope. not getting Zal stories. We're getting Porkins stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Porkins' last words were, "No, I'm all right." <laughs> um, apparently, over three decades later, Porkins was remembered through the Porkins Belly Run, a resistance flight maneuver named in his honor. Whilst traveling aboard, I thank God someone put Will whilst whilst traveling aboard the Millennium Falcon following the Battle of Crate BB-8, told R2D2 about the death of the Ab- uh, Abinetto pilot Elo Atzi, who also went by the call sign Red Six, and R2 told him that they had lost a Red Six Two in the Battle of Yavin. Um. So he apparently had two of the most a, important battles in the in the in the history of the Rebel Alliance's fight against the original Empire. It's not not. I mean, he was in the right place at the right time for sure. Yep, Jack. Yep. Oh, Porkins. And we will yeah. never ever forget his sacrifice. But it's it's no. again. There's not much to it. There's no context. There couldn't have been any sense at Elstree in 1976 that this movie was going to be anything. And even his experience with it was almost nothing. We don't, I, I, I don't know if he's there somewhere during the briefing or something, but I don't remember seeing him. It really does feel like that cockpit work was the only work that he did. And he is memorable. It is written in a memorable way, to be fair, that all these guys are red leader, the guys who have moments, Biggs, even before, even before he's introduced to us as something more than he was, you know, is memorable in the is definitely memorable in that final assault. But Porkins is, you know, his is I is it's cool, I'm gonna hold it together. Like that, we you that's a little extra bit of humanity in there that he plays the reality of, you know, just to give him credit, mm-hmm. give him actual credit as an actor, all all yeah. pig related joking aside. <laughs> it, it it's it's great it's great and it's and i don't know if it's worthy of all this i mean i think it had to be in star wars to get this sort of attention obviously <laughs> yeah but yeah but still why not i mean absolutely why not him there's a lot for your 
entertainment dollar in those less than half a minute of screen time, there's a ton of personality there that you can imagine from. And that's what we did with our little action figures and our stuff. We took these guys that we barely knew and only saw for a second and created this myths and our own little stories out of them. And that was the magic of growing up with star Wars and, and, and he's, he's as, he's as big a part of that as anybody in that category. I really do think that. So it's a quite, it wasn't his debut as an actor or anything, but it was definitely his get ready for a lot more parts like this. Mm hmm kind of thing here's, it was his arrival on the scene for sure that's my opinion. here's what i'll say about about uh will william hookins uh we could possibly say uh that this was uh where william hootkins grew up because in his uh in his appearances on like tv uh and and and, and other small movies he would he often went he was credit he wouldn't credited by bill, bill, Hootkins. bill hootkins so it's like yeah. Like in Star Wars, though he grew up, and from William. that point on, he was well. Actually, no, he was Bill Hootkins in a couple Again, of things, but he primarily was William Hootkins. Um, oh, well, oh, Porkins. You know, but there's, um, there's a lot more to this man that was than like some of the things that we get here, right? So we say, okay, <clears throat> he had other acting stuff. When I looked into his history. Born in Dallas, Texas, in 1948. Uh, he grew up in Dallas, Texas. He spent. He went to the um, was the St. Mark's School of of Texas for like grades one through twelve. And the thing that struck me was he was in the same acting group as Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones was a year older than him, and he said Jones got all the best parts because he looked better. And you know, that's at that point I knew I'd just be supporting actor for everything that I ever did. And when you look at his history as a human being, it's like, yeah, you are like little supporting actor credits. When he was 15 years old, the lady he was taking Russian classes from, Ruth Payne, was the same lady who was bored, was uh, renting a room to Marina Oswald and her children in 1963. So Hookins was interviewed by the FBI because he knew Payne, and Payne had been renting to Oswald who had assassinated Kennedy, like... Allegedly. Like, what the hell? Yeah, allegedly. Uh, but the, it, this entire... It's like everything you do is some sort of crazy supporting actor point. So he knew Russian. He left when he... Um, where did he go? He went to Princeton to study um, astrophysics. He was studying astrophysics at Princeton before transferring to study Oriental uh, studies, where he learned and became fluent in Mandarin. Yep. Like... Not a he's, a re- guy. he's an effing understood. renaissance man. Yeah. And there's yeah. no question about it. I mean, and that those coincidences and those connections, Lithgow and Tommy Lee Jones and stuff like, yeah, it it shows up in the work. There's a knowingness to the work. He gets playing second mm-hmm. fiddle to Tommy Lee Jones. He yeah. understood what he was going to be out there in the world in a way. I think we're all the star of our own show. If you're really talented for a time, you really do get to be the star of your own show, particularly when you're a kid and you got to wake up to how you actually fit into the greater scheme of things. And it can take some time to do that, even on a professional level. And you see him at least relatively right out of the canon 
boom, here he, he like gets it in a way that like every second counts here. Yeah. In mm-hmm. a way, even our buddy J.O. Sanders, who talked about how you fit in and your awareness of that and your 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 the way you value that time that you're part of the story, like all that's so important. This guy gets it on a micro level. And it I'm not I didn't know that about the languages and stuff, taking Russian, taking Mandarin. Yeah. And but it, it makes so it early fits with the guy that we know because it's it, it's all meticulous stuff. Yeah. That that makes you a more interesting and well-rounded person. And that's who we see on screen when we meet him in these various, sometimes even clownish characters that he plays. There's tons of detail to this stuff. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be Dennis Nedry. Yes. He was supposed to be Dennis Nedry in Jurassic Park. Oh my God, he would have been amazing. Oh, uh, yeah. Night, you're fine. Wayne, Wayne's yeah. great. Fine. With, yeah, yeah with respect to job. Wayne, who really, really get, yeah. really, really plays up the, the douchiness to a to level mm-hmm. 11. Uh, Hookins would have yes. been great in that role because he would have been just like that. And yet he would have been more, he would have certainly been more menacing. More yeah. menacing, like I about- but, I, but I also think less. I think less like I think there when when Dennis goes down in the novel even though you know he's up to no good you you feel for him because he just yeah. it, it he's the first guy where really they mm-hmm. make the make it clear you guys are just in over your head even the dinosaur that gets him isn't even particularly scary at first and yeah. yet it has this ability and is in this I mean it's a great Michael Crichton moment because it's intense and I think the movie it plays it pretty intense. It plays it in a horror movie sort of way, but it Spielberg's I think touch is very light, and I think Bill might have brought, dare I say, just more of that. You know, you're a dick, but you didn't deserve that sort of thing. Right. Whereas, right. like exactly. Wayne Knight, God bless him, he goes the <laughs> other way. He's like, no, you yeah. deserved it, dude. You just terrible yep. through mm-hmm. and through. That's definitely a way of doing it, but. Hookins even at his most obnoxious, mm. the very next movie we're going to talk about is, is as obnoxious as he ever was as, as an actor in a part. He has well, this, like you sort of get it. He has this sort of, you get that there's a person there that that's acting like this or doing this, you know, for, for yeah. uh, not for maybe good reasons, but it's, he's good at all that stuff. So. Yeah, well, let's bring on let's bring on the beef here. Let's talk about um, <laughs> let's talk about Han- <laughs> Hanover Street, uh, Hanover Street uh, with uh, Harrison Ford. Um, I'm trying to for some reason I'm not finding my link here. Um, no, I can I'm anyway. pretty familiar with Hanover Street as those of you who watched our Peter Hyams episode know. Yep. I'm pretty familiar yep. with all of the minor films of Harrison Ford, so I I can with with uh, pretty pretty good confidence I can sum this guy up. He o- only makes one appearance in the movie. Again, I he may be in the briefing scenes, but I don't think that he is. I think uh, like Star Wars, he was a ringer who was brought in for this one purpose. Um, it Hanover Street's an old. It's Peter Hyams wanting to make an old romantic World War II movie. Two people mm-hmm. during. A, during a a scary time who met on Hanover they Street and fell, fell in love. In it's, love at the worst time. It's got this oh. weepy John Barry music score and it's 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 just su- it's lovely, but it's super old fashioned. 
uh, Leslie Ann Down and, and Harrison Ford get into a doomed love affair during the bombing of Britain during World War II. And, uh, and Harrison, is, who's a very cocky captain of one of these B-12 bombers, if you're into those bombers and those planes, this is like Memphis Bell or any of these other movies, this is a movie you have to see because it, it, that stuff, well, not even great. It's just, it's hard to explain. If you're into those bombing planes and you missed Hanover Street, it's got a lot of that in it. That's, that's the sort of the B plot of it are these bombing missions that they go on. And then ultimately a spy mission that they go on. Um, and it's well done and it's was made with the real planes and you know what I mean? Functioning. It's not the great big ones with the belly guns, but the size smaller. I can't remember what those mm -hmm. are called, but all right. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, because Harrison is a long way to get what beef is, which is really super straightforward, but you do got to understand mm -hmm. the context because his, his, his being insensitive bastard in this scene is like punctuated by what happens here. Ford's gets shaken up. He, it's what's weird is that he's a devil may care, smart ass hero who, when he falls in love, suddenly cares about getting home at the end of this mission. And he's sitting on the tarmac about to go on a particularly dangerous one, which normally he would lead the squadron through and, and he hears something's up with his engine and he says, we got to turn back. There's something wrong. And the, the plane that takes his place gets obliterated in this mission. So there he's drinking and he's thinking about what that means and taking the weight of that. And good old Beef, who was in one of the other planes, is at the bar already down. He's already down like seven shots by the way he's acting. And mm -hmm. he comes up to Ford's character. He's like, man, you're so lucky you weren't out there. Who that I've never seen a plane blow into as many pieces. I mean, he just it's it's this hilarious, stumbling, oh, so drunk, obnoxious performance. Um, and you think he's gonna get punched out in a dumber movie, he probably would have, but uh um uh, his sort of second lieutenant sort of gets in between him and beef, and beef survives to drink another day. And again, it's it is obnoxious, but beef. What is there's a line from Sphere that's you know, you know he's having a stress reaction. That's your stress reaction. Yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. what Beef is going through. He was he was clearly horrified by what he saw, and he's getting yeah. drunk to the point that he can't function or emotionally deal with it. So he's just joking about it, at in the wrong yeah. guy in the wrong place. But that's part of the scene and it's it's in the performance you gotta kind of squint to see it because he really is a big clown in this movie he, he knows that's what he's got to do but yeah these guys are coping with the, the they're being on the brink of their own mortality in the only the only ways they can and it's different for everybody and that that to me that's really what the scene is about yeah he's a he's a just a total, uh, what's the term? A total foil for our hero mm -hmm. in this key emotional moment. But, but it's more than that, and that that yeah. that's what's cool about it. And believe me, uh, Hanover Street is not some subtle, you know, <laughs> it, it you know what I mean. It's not some subtle nuanced thing that's full of great stuff. But it just shows you that even a thing like that, you know, works on that level. 
it, it, when the people do it right, you know, it, 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 the case with a movie like that is the less you're given to do, the more of a blessing it honestly is because like even Christopher Plummer ends up looking kind of silly in that movie and stuff. And you, you wouldn't think that that possible, but it, it, it does happen. So beef, um, beef, First pork and beef, then beef. What could be next? Mm -hmm. Well, I believe the next up. <laughs> sirloin well, sirloin of beef <laughs> uh no we have uh munson oh my he god gets, uh, he gets a little scientific here yeah who can, who can go scientific in flash gordon all right i'm just gonna say it i know this is a countdown i know we got a long ways to go mm -hmm. munson that cowardly bastard is my favorite <laughs> william hookins <laughs> performance of all time <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not sure i'm gonna be able to i just don't think i'm gonna be able to sell you on any of the nuances of munson i'm not sure <laughs> there's really any there necessarily and it's not just oh. munson uh who can scene partner uh when the world gets under attack from ming the merciless his scene partner is none other than the late great Topol, who we lost this past year. Oh yeah, and yeah. Topol plays uh, he plays the Doctor Hans Zarkov, who's predicted this attack and is a super genius. Built a rocket to space in a you know grain si in a greenhouse in the middle of nowhere. It's that kind of adventure. I mean, it's Flash Gordon we're talking about, and his yeah. lab assistant slash assistant whatever uh, Munson who's been helping along this whole time, but I, but you get the impression not really buying in on the level that Tarkov's been buying in, <laughs> in the true believer sense when it's time for the two of them to take off in the rocket, and save the earth. Martin says, <laughs> no, is what he says. That's my line. Read. No, um, no. he's not coming. He is going to run. He is going to flee. He is going to cower under a picnic table until the end of the world consumes him because that is his character. And who, as always, has very little time to convince us of this guy's being scared of this. But, you know, the great thing about Munson is that when you look at him, you're like... Yeah, he's the only one having a reasonable, like, sort of a relatable human response to what's going on. <laughs> Sorry, and Topol's great in it. But, but I need two people to control the rocket or whatever. And he's like, I don't care. I'm not going to forget it. Um, <laughs> where's your sense of adventure? I don't have any. Like, Munson is, uh, again, a foil. Uh, turned up to a hundred, like uh, every there's nothing left on the table at all in this performance. It's it is clownish and silly, but super fun and a really and a big practical effects thing. Yeah. You know the uh, the airplane that Flash and our our heroine are on actually crashes into this silo, and he's got to do the jump out of the way. Of the plane. <laughs> and I mean, there's no better version of the fake jumping out of the way on, in screen history than when William Hookins does it as Munson in Flash Gordon. Um, 
I wish the whole show could be like this. Like, I wish I knew his performances to the level that I know these first few, because as we get into it, you know, and as, frankly, as he's in more legit movies and in roles that are, you know, mm-hmm. that aren't so silly or, or, or comic booky. although we get a couple of great comic book things, too. So I love Munson. I love him. He is exactly what he is on the page, and he's absolutely fully realized in a full-on, broad, comic sidekick sort of way. And when he leaves the picture, you just, you miss him. He's that funny and that entertaining. And and even through the years, when before I had seen Flash Gordon 400 times, you know, when I'd only seen it 40 times, you know, you kind of forget he's coming. And here he is, and you're like, oh yeah, this guy, this is fantastic. <laughs> I've uh, dominated the conversation about Munson and Flash Gordon, guys. Anything... <laughs> You want to add to this? That was fantastic. Oh, I, I no one did not want. What to is there that bad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You covered it all. I just, <laughs> including the facial. Yeah, the. Yep. <laughs> it's really what it is. It's a guy jumping uh, behind a couple of ferns onto a mattress that you can't <laughs> yep. see, and. And that it's the movie is clever enough to know that in and of itself is funny. This doesn't have to be real. The, and that's the charm of Flash Gordon. It's the thing when I was a kid, I didn't really get. I'm like, why does this all look like crap? And why is it all so colorful and fake and stupid? And of course, you grow into that. You realize, well, that's the charm of the thing. It is. It's fake and stupid and over the mm-hmm. top and ridiculous. Flash, I love you, but we only have 17 <laughs> minutes to save the Earth. That's a line from the movie. <laughs> that is hilarious. It, but when you're a kid and you think, and you've seen Star Wars a few years earlier, and you you think that's what you're going to go see, and you get the black hole, yeah. or you get Flash Gordon, or you get some of these other things, you're just you're kind of like that. That's not how you do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then and then you and then and yet we look back on these things and our love for them, like our heart softens toward them and. Flash Gordon still pays off because of its silliness. It's so fun. And it invites you to have fun with it at every second. And there's no moment where it doesn't it doesn't just building your back. Own life. It just goes all the way with everything. And that's what Hoot does in his his precious moments that he's given. And it's fantastic yeah. stuff. So there Love you go. Love it. Ah, yeah. oh, Munson. Munson! Um, oh, Munson! <laughs> What's the matter uh, with right. you? I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> this is so funny. Oh my god, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> it makes it makes me very very happy here. It's um, fun. That's a fun I, one. Don't miss it. Rent it now on YouTube, people. Come yeah, on. it's good. <laughs> yeah, let's see. I can uh... and counterattack them. Crazy. I'm not going up in that. I can't handle the capsule alone. Well, you better try. You better try. <laughs> right, Chief. Munson! 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 Why are you running away? <laughs> why are you running away? Oh, we all know yes. why he's running away. I mean, there's a yep. du- there is a double-edged thing to it. We get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does uh, it in a way that you get it. You're like, if you're, let's say, if we're really being honest, 
you know, are we the here? Are we Flash Gordon or are we Munson? I mean, even yeah. if you're not all the oh, way yeah. Munson, we all got a little Munson in us, truly. We all have a little Munson. Yep. Uh, we all are a, a little, little Sir Munson. Robin. He run away and fled and blah blah blah. I mean, it's like <laughs> sometimes Robin, that's Ray, Sir Robin. <laughs> some, sometimes that's that's not. It's not even the dumbest thing to do, honestly. Oh, Sir Munson. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's go to uh, the uh, to Sphinx. Oh boy! And a quick chat about the, the tour guide named Don. Don, the tour guide. So Sphinx was one of a, a lot of Egyptian adventures of the day. It's written by Robin Cook, based on the novel by Robin Cook, who wrote a lot of medical thrillers and such in the day. She, most famous, He's most famous for writing Coma. Um, okay. And it's the story, again, uh, Leslie Ann Down plays a British archaeologist who goes to Cairo to investigate some archaeological thing that I don't remember or don't care about and falls in love with very dashing 1981 circa Frank Langella who may have another agenda, but it's, it's almost a romance novel in it's silliness. You know, Gil good shows up in it. John Rice Davies shows up in it as a villain. There's all this, there's all this stuff in it, but it's, it's the fact that it's, uh, desert adventure that came out the same year as Raiders of the Lost Ark really hamstrings it into absolute obscurity. Um, even though Franklin J. Schaffer, who, who made um, Planet of the Apes and, and Patton, he's the guy who directed it. It's a well-directed film, but it's a silly romance novel. It's a, it's a, you know, it's not got a nice leading lady, which is an unusual thing, honestly, for 1981. Um, mm-hmm. it, uh, you're very capable, very smart, very pretty. All the things you want from a movie star type performance from a sort of non-movie star actor. It's kind of perfect. It's just a little too, it's a little too Hanover Street. It's a little too syrupy. It's a little too silly. Yeah. It Nothing in it really gets you involved. And sadly, you get the sense that everybody working on it knows that and so Mm. they're they're interjecting stupidity in it at every turn every place they can throw the audience a bone of sympathy for getting through this silly romance they do and the biggest bone of all comes in the form of what's his name don 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 a somehow obnoxious like fired from um you know, Disneyland tour guy who's found <laughs> himself in Cairo somehow giving the cheesiest tour of these underground <laughs> tombs in Cairo to a group of, frankly, equally obnoxious American tourists uh, before some plot point happens that I won't even bother with because it's too difficult to explain and it makes no difference for the point of this discussion, but he's got the whole, okay, everybody, now let's look over here, and this is where the mummies are. You know what they say about the mummies? And he's giving puns, and he's just being Mm -hmm. totally worthless. And he's like, come here, Mrs. Gradpool. Kind of stand real close to me. Sorry, Mr. Gradpool. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's unbelievably broad and clownish. (laughs) And then when they come across... uh, the dead body or the thing or whatever that actually happens. That's horrible. Like you don't even, he's so unimportant that you don't even get their reaction. He's cut away into the next thing. But why, why did you put him in this? Why is he even there? This character, like this is not 1980 Egypt. 
does not employ this guy to give tours. Of this. I mean, it just the whole thing is like from another. It's transported from another world, just to be funny and stupid and full of energy for a second. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, no problem. It's a British production company that's making the movie. It's full of almost all British people. So he's 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 a American, an obnoxious mm-hmm. American. We'll even say now at this point. Working in England and his passport's in order and how you like to go to Cairo. The reality is this could have been shot at Pinewood for all I know. I I don't think so. The one really great thing about Sphinx is during that era, it it really feels, even if it's not, it feels almost 100% shot on location in Egypt, which is... Which gives the thing value, even of these many years later Mm -hmm. after being basically... Five weeks. Five weeks of filming in Egypt. And it makes wow. it makes the mm-hmm. most of it. You could tell that's why Schaffner showed up. That's that's why the thing was even made was so that, because they got permission to do that and and they were able to do it at a time when just you know uh, what had just big movie had just shot in Egypt, The Spy Who Loved Me. It, it reminds me of that in, in terms of how much Egypt it gets for its dollar. It, it gives you a lot, um, and it wasn't an, it was a. It was a trying time to be in Egypt or any of those like uh, Israeli Palestinian neighboring countries. I mean, there was a lot going on during that that we mm-hmm. that we could yeah. forget. So, but it's good and it's got a lot of great local talent and stuff. So, so Sphinx is fun. Don the tour guide. I added the tour guide part. It's just Don in the thing, Dawn. which is mm-hmm. which it needs more than that. I'm glad they gave him a name, but it it's a funny performance that I love, and I promise all of these won't be like this. Eventually, I'll stop really remembering much of what he did, but I've seen Sphinx a few times, and Don, man, yeah. when Don shows up, he takes stage. I mean, he, the whole movie it becomes his movie for just uh, about a minute and a half, and it is it is funny, but it's it's also like you're really kind of undermining your own story like here what, by having this what kind movie of thing. Are, yeah. What, what movie are you in here? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I mean, what as written, I, I don't think there's any other way who can play this. He, he, he's asked to come in and just nail this stuff in this rapid fire, crazy, obnoxious way. And I mean, he totally does it. So it's a good yeah. performance, but it's the wrong scene in the wrong time of the, of the wrong movie, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was a busy, it was a busy year for him. Like when you look at his filmography. Yeah. Well, some other things from 81. Well, our very next, our very next film uh, came out in that same year. And that of course is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Just on the television here. (laughs) As I walked Uh, in the house, Aaron's watching it. You long time, you long time viewers of the movie show with Joel and I will remember back in our very first episode when we had to pick a favorite movie. Ryan picked Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, and one of the greatest things about Raider, Raiders of the Lost Ark and everything about it is unimpeachably great. By the way, yeah, yeah. even the things that I mean, are wrong about it just make it more relatable and more wonderful. Um, but one thing that's not wrong about it is it has, for my money, the greatest exposition scene in all of film. <laughs> oh my this, god, yeah. The scene mm-hmm. when Hoot and Don Fellows show up to set the thing in motion, 
and, you know, the, the, the scary G-men pre-World War II who come in and are like, hey. And, I mean, it's all exposition. The whole thing is exposition. It's It starts out as one kind of exposition. We had this mm-hmm. investigation and we were looking into this stuff, blah, 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 this mission, blah, blah. And then it turns into another kinds of exposition, which is here's what the Lost Ark is. And here's the legend of it. And it's all just four guys sitting around a table, uh, very wisely a table on a stage in a lecture hall. So it, it there's a scope to it that is really mm-hmm. cool to look at. It comes with a turning a chalkboard around thing, which is always a great thing. Uh, there's old creepy pictures in a book. There's... It, there's intense music. Fellows and Hootkins, their chemistry together, the way they interrupt each other, particularly the way Hoot interrupts Fellows. Yeah. I mean, everything about that scene is so awesome. And it and it and what's great about it is he's, he's, it's the exact same kind of performance. It's the exact same kind of guy brought in to do this thing and be memorable in a little role and yet get the job of telling these multiple stories done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and, it, and he wisely, he plays a major Eaton uh, straight. He I can't a, help but to feel like that. That's uh, that's like a, a nod back to Porkins somehow. Maybe major Eaton, major Eaton. Hey, man, oh, what's what's major man? Eaton? I never even thought it. Oh man, I hadn't even it, no, it, it that way. I, I don't know guys. that it's a pun, but it feels a bit like a pun. We can't put anything past yeah, these guys at this point. Yeah. Um, and hey, maybe whoever, maybe Lucas or Philip Kaufman or Lawrence Kasdan or whoever wrote that character's name, maybe that's why we have Hootkins showing up in the role in the first place. So yeah. And then we have, and then instead of chastising them, we kind of have them to thank. Um, fellows, uptight, stick up his butt, stuttering guy, mixed with with um, with hoot, hoots like military guy, uncomfortable in his civilian clothes. Yes, mm-hmm. like the whole thing is just it's. I mean, Spielberg, Raiders of the Lost Ark. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? It's genius. Every second of it is yeah. awesome, but. It's genius and it's awesome and it's super entertaining. It's everything you want out of a escapist adventure movie. And there's something more to it. And that something more starts here. First time we hear the arc theme is in this scene. Mm-hmm. The, these guys ask all the right questions and our, our heroes give answers that are well thought out and interesting, even if a bit cynical from our hero. And I just love it. And of course, it's not the last we see a major Eaton, is it, fellas? No, no, before, it's not. Before Marsha Lucas said, where's the girl? The girl has to come back at the end. What are you doing? Where's the? Where's Marion? She has to come back. Go make a scene with her in it. This I hate this, is basically what she said. And they were like, oh, okay, whatever you say. So they went and shot the very famous meeting on the steps. Let's go get a drink scene, which the film absolutely needs. Marsha is dead on correct on that. Yeah. Um... He almost delivered the last line, the last iconic line in in Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is top men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't end up being the last line, but it is it, it it the movie as written is supposed to cut from that line to the warehouse and the yeah. closing credits. 
and uh, thank God it doesn't. But nevertheless, he he delivers that with last line authority and a full yeah. understanding of what the joke is, and yet mm-hmm. he delivers it straight. Because at this point, we've seen what the art can do. If we're not, mm-hmm. if we're if we're not buying into biblical Old Testament wrath of God type stuff, at least in movie terms, we are totally bought into it at this point. Right, and and it it that that again that scene. Well, you know what do we? The ark is a thing of incredible power, and it must be. It will be. It will be. Yeah, I mm-hmm. assure you. Um. Pipe in my, he's the 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 pipe in my top, top men, men, the pipe that like as a kid that stood out to me the way that he manipulated that pipe and talked and like it was just a like an intellectual arrogance that came Mm -hmm. with it like what like seriously and if you think about it here is Eaton from the beginning of the film to the end his entire explanation of what the arc does is in that big thick ass book yep that's it. He didn't see any of this shit that went no. down throughout the rest of the film. So at the end, he's like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, that's perfect. He, he wasn't perfect. in it for the yeah. arc or nope. illumination or any of the things any of these characters are after, the legacy. He's yeah. just fighting Nazis. That's what's important. Go F yourself nope. if you have any problem with it. Like, not yeah, Exactly. Nazis <laughs> wanted that. Nazis don't get it. It goes into a storage mm-hmm. unit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I mean, it, I... <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Yeah. Who? Top men. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We- uh, it's, awesome. it, it really, I mean, with respect to Munson, who you just heard me gush about, it just doesn't yeah. get any better than this. This guy is utilized perfectly. He gets to actually bite off something that he can chew that's genuinely dramatic. Yeah. I may be, just because I love him, I may be projecting all this stuff on him that maybe isn't even there. But your his openness and your ability to do that with him is what makes the role special and what makes these moments special. So... So wow, hats off! I mean, yep. if this is what to me, yeah. this was your Oscar moment. This is an important guy in a really, really good, absolutely culturally significant film that you prob yep. that you would never look at and think he was Porkins. Mm-hmm. And it's only just a mm-hmm. few years later, and yeah, I just really think major, yeah, 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 such, such and, good and stuff. Two of three culturally important films that he hits, like to be. To be that type of character actor, and you know, there's your there's your memorable moments, right? It's like here, which one do you want to pick? Yeah. If mm-hmm. he, if he was still alive, going to conventions, he'd tell you that everybody like what was the quote that I found that he had said? My film career, uh, my career in a sense went downhill ever since. And he was talking about A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, fans still come to the stage door with action figures of my characters in, <laughs> in embarrassing photographs for me to sign, right? So that to him was like the pinnacle of the thing. But when you look at it, it's like, dude, you were the the character actor of most of our uh, childhoods when mm-hmm. it came to these great films all through from the 70s to the 80s. There you were. Yep. Yeah, every time. So, yeah. So after, so after Raiders of the Lost Ark, he... It's a it's a string of uh, TV uh, TV episode one offs. You know he's just making an appearance in 
in Maverick, Cagney and Lacey, Remington Steele, yeah. things like that. But uh, his next movie role, his next two movie roles uh, is, is as a taxi driver in both Trail of the Pink Panther and Curse of the Pink Panther. And click on those. Those are the ones where David Niven <clears throat> actually came back to the franchise. Yeah. And they, yeah, it's okay. So I am Pink Panthers. Sorry, especially after the first one, I get them mixed up. Even the ones Blake Edwards mm-hmm. did because they just become a sort of jumbled, what are we doing here mess. But, um, but again, this without getting too into it because this is not this isn't the performance I'm going to rave about but this is a guy who is this put upon taxi driver who shows up in the middle of this and is part of some weird chase and just wants like in a very Munson way wants to have nothing to do with it and then of course yep. it all happens to him again in the sequel that was a that, that was a, that was like a conceit that that you know they did a lot in the bond movies of this era and uh, which yep. were which had a streak of Blake Edwards in them during the Roger Moore films. Um, it's it's funny, but it's stupid. It it's a thing. It's like it's 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 a place where they don't really get the balance right. This is a thing now where in a, a Sphinx way, it sort of is undermining whatever little tension you were going to be able to get out of the story. You've just you've made sure at every step that there is none. It's just for laughs and that's not a sin but it it it's harder to get super excited about it but he is funny i mean he's exactly what you'd think he's just, what what's going on hey wait a minute you know I, I mean there's not much else to it other than that it's still it's still funny and i These dig are it comedies from the 80s right they, yeah exactly yeah and re- pr- really those... broad comedies from the 80s and it's yeah. it is one of those things that it's not even funny until it happens again um, but I, these were shot very close together or back to back or planned together. You know, they were, they, these, I believe these two films were put together as a package. And so they knew what they were doing. And on that way, it's very well thought out. It's not just let's do it again. haha. See yeah. if that guy's still available. It really does feel like they set this up for no, no, not again. <laughs> but all it is, is an, oh no, not again gag. And. At this point, that's beneath William Hootkins, in my opinion. So, even yeah. not much is, as we said, the great thing about him, about Hoot, is that we can sit here and tease him and make fun of all of his like uh, poultry and cow related nicknames and tease him, and he gets it. I mean, nobody had a better sense of humor about this. The, that's the anecdote about waiting at the stage door with the action figure. Yeah. I mean,. <laughs> It, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure at some points in his darkest times that annoyed him. But really, it's a guy who seemed to get it from the start, what what this sort of career was like. And this gag, I mean, it, it, it couldn't be any better with a different actor. I can tell you that for sure. So... Very cool. Well, we get um, we get a, a turn for the dramatic here in his next uh, in his next film. Uh, well, the next film is a is a dramatic film, um, and that is uh, he plays Chuck Malarkey <laughs> in <Yeah>. White Knights. <laughs> again, again with the meat jokes, like it's yeah. like a thing. Every every screenwriter no, it... probably sat down and said, "Who are you thinking for this part?" Oh, I'm thinking Hoochkins. Oh, yeah. you need to change that name. Yeah, what, what we got? You got to change the name Chuck. from Johnson to Malarkey because uh, <laughs> yeah, 
It's uh, well, gotta... it's Chuck Malarek as actually, but I, yeah, I'm wondering Malarek. if auto, I'm wondering if it auto corrected to Malarkey. It probably uh, did. Chuck Malarek, yeah, Chuck Malarek. So, and White Knights is not the kind of movie, and this is not a role where he's really comic mm-hmm. at all, although he is. Yeah, it's um, I don't White Knights. Uh, you're gonna set all that up. White Knights, say you, say me, uh, yep. and, and say separate lives. That's what <laughs> most people remember White Knights for, mm-hmm. and appropriately yep. so. Those are the best things about it. But it's not a bad movie. Taylor Hackford. It's a story of uh. Ba- Russian ballet dancer who's defected, played by a Russian ballet dancer who defected, and Mikhail Baryshnikov, whilst yep. flying over the Ukraine or some sort of Russian protectorate, with protectorate used usually even in this era, um, the plane is forced to land because of a malfunction, and he is kidnapped back into his own country, essentially by the KGB, and. And so that's weird subject for what is essentially a dance movie, mm-hmm. but it's not a bad movie. Yeah. If anything, it's a little dull and not exciting enough, but it, 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 it's not a bad movie. It's an interesting story. Um, and Malarik just plays this, the, the worthless, absolutely worthless. And in that way, I guess it is a very Hootkins title role, uh, you know, American diplomat who's trying to figure out what to do here. And the reality is yeah. he's not going to do anything. And that's, there's a character like that. in a lot of these sort of stories, you know, where it's like, Hey, what are you going to do for me? And it's like, well, blah, blah, blah. and then blah, and don't worry, but I'm not going to do anything. You're on your own is basically what he's brought in to do. Yeah. And it does it really effectively, but it's, it is nothing more than that. And there's not a lot of room for him to be goofy and there's no, use of him being goofy so even though the role is broad and and silly when you think about it from its convention he again he plays it straight the way you should in a film like this and so that it it's not like it's some well-rounded character but the character is a diplomat who is trying to make everybody happy and so will never make anybody happy and we have seen that character before many many times Mm -hmm. um Let's move on to uh, to um, Biggles, El Vajero del Tiempo. Biggles, do you want to be a hero? <laughs> Biggles, uh, Adventure in Time. Uh, Any fans of Biggles here on the show today? Biggles, I, Adventure I, I, Time. Uh, Anyone? Anybody? I gotta, I gotta admit, I, uh, I apparently I have a blind spot and did not, <laughs> did not. Partake. I was unaware of the existence. Of Biggles, yeah, an adventure. Uh, I not. Same. I did not. I have not followed the adventures of James Biggles Bigglesworth. Well, okay. Tell me if this doesn't sound like. Oh, Joel, we're gonna break out a synopsis for this bad boy. Okay, let's go. Daring British World War One fighter pilot James Biggles Bigglesworth and nineteen. 19- 80s low-level business executive Jim Ferguson discovered that they can time travel to each other's eras. They try to stop the Germans from changing the outcome of World War One. It's a time travel when adventure. Doubt, yeah, it's a time travel adventure with a lot of Germans with a lot of biplane action scenes in it, and it has a great uh, John Anderson from Yes theme song called. Do you want to be a hero? And we all want to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, again, 
except perhaps the character played by William Hookins. In this case, it is who? Uh, Chuck Dinsmore. Who's... Again, Chuck. <laughs> Telling Chuck you. Ground not entirely unmeat related. <laughs> Biggles oh, is a film where if you were lucky enough to catch it on Showtime and you were the right age and we all were, you would have you would have been like, well, you would have thought it was as good as these other movies you were watching. And unfortunately, unlike what we were the phenomena we were talking about with with Black Hole, maybe and certainly with uh, Flash Gordon and things of, of its ilk, Tron, uh, Biggles, Biggles shows its seams with age as opposed to you mm. becoming more fond of it. It is really, really broad. The stupid ad executive is really stupid. And even though they do save the day and it's a lot of fun, whatever. But the one of the things that, that works in it is that the people who are making it filled it up with people like who, who could come in in these little roles and just sort of grab your attention so that the thing never dips in energy, even though it is silly to the end and way, and just doesn't have enough resources to be as cool as it wants to be. Um, if you like, if you like, like if you really still like time writer or I call it dream snake, it's, I believe it's actually called dreamscape, but there are, capes in it there is definitely a big dream snake in it so i think they i think it was a typo that got that one let loose on the world um mm. those sorts of cheap silly films from that era uh philadelphia experiment this kind of movie is that kind of movie and yet nobody really saw it because it really does feel like one of those that poof went out and uh mm -hmm. dinsmore in the party scene is pretty funny but he, it's they don't even the movie's too stupid to even know to make the most of having hookins on set which is sort of disappointing when you revisit it but it, another fun role in a cheesy film and if you thought you'd seen all the cheesy 80 80s movies you know it's it's better than some of the ones you've seen it's better than megaforce it's better than Metal Storm, the destruction of Jared mm. Sin. Which, Joel, do you mind if I get a Metal Storm thing off my chest right now? I know this is not related. All right, I wish I don't have my uh, no. You don't have. I don't need your storm help. Sounder. I just, I I just need, need your permission metal, yeah. to. Okay. Um. Sometimes a movie has spoilers in its title. They're right there in the title. Um. Yeah. Susan saves the world. You know that you you. you, you why even show up for that? You know what happens at the end. She saves the world. It says it right in the title. But that aside, Metal Storm, Destruction of Jared Sin contains no Metal Storm. And by the end of the movie, Jared Sin remains undestructed. Not cool, Metal Storm. Not cool. I didn't know when that would come up again, so... I'm just going to offer this up, having not uh, not partaken in uh, Metal Storm. Um, no Metal Storm? No, Space not, Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone? Mm, missed that one. What? Come on, you guys. I, what were you... I, Did you guys I'm have sure gates or something choice. in 1984 that I didn't have? What was going on here? I'm sure wow. I have the choice of Metal Storm or another rewatch of Ice Pirates, uh, and I'm always going to choose Ice Pirates. Well, you made the right yeah, choice, I have that's, to say. It's a hard one there. Or maybe watch Raiders again. Like, yeah. Uh, An actual um, good if, movie. If, if I may, 
if I may, could the destruction of Jaredson possibly have been internal? It could not have been. Now, again, spoiler okay. for Metal Storm, the destruction of Jared Sin. <laughs> what about uh, Yor, the hunter from the future? What, I do like, for? I remember Yor. All right, good. Finally. <laughs> I remember Yor, yep. <laughs> well, I watched you. I don't Biggles, know I an adventure in time, <laughs> stick it right in the middle of that stuff. That's the kind of movie we're Ooh, talking about. Folks, if you want to see Biggles' Adventure in Time, you can find it on YouTube apparently for free. Nice. Like that. Yeah, well, there YouTube you go. Films for free. So en enjoy, enjoy what I'll afternoon be doing at some point with <laughs> Biggles. Uh, all right. Well, let's, back to uh, Hoopkins. Uh, yeah. Speak well. And um, speaking of uh, destruction, um, uh, we're going to talk about American Gothic. Uh, Hootkins playing Teddy in American Gothic. You know. Joel, uh, the family that slays together. Stays together. Stays together. Joel, yeah, I have never seen American Gothic. Mm. I don't know if Hootkins is good in it. And I don't care. Well, But the reason this film is here is because in case our friend of the show, Michael Klug, who is not going to watch this episode, because no, he doesn't really support the show very much, yeah. if we're being honest. It's just tell the truth. No, he does. He shares our show, I think, every week. Um... <laughs> Uh, he's super supportive, but he doesn't have time to sit through two hours of this like you good folks. God bless you all. Um, it's here because if we do a show on William Hookins in the future, I just know if he interacts with this content of the show at all, we will hear, did you talk about American Gothic? <laughs> and originally, the answer to that would have been no. We did not nope, sadly no, talk about not. American Gothic. And now, Joel, despite the fact that we did not talk substantively about American Gothic, mm -hmm. we can say, yes, we mentioned American Gothic, Michael. You may now calm down and go back to ranking Friday the 13th movies. Here, here, here's where, here's where I will, uh, here's where I will add a little substantive, substantive content. I don't know if that's the word. Yeah, you um, got there. But, uh, you know, movie, despite it, I love this little bit of trivia. It, it just says, despite its name, it was shot in Canada. And, <laughs> <laughs> Very clearly but, shot in Drumhiller, Alberta, where the Smallville scenes in Superman were shot. Yes. So, um, but that makes perfect sense. Hootkins... Uh, with his uh, with his uh, his union card as a uh, from uh, England, yep, would yep. be able to have that. Would be able to just slide right on in. Scoop on over there. Although all those TV yeah. shows you mentioned, Cagney and Lacey, all that that he would need to be in SAG yeah. to be in any of those. So he yeah. really was a, uh, you know, he, he really did it all he on was, on yeah. multi multiple continents, and that's kind of yep. neat. So uh, after he finishes up um, um, rocking out as Teddy in American Gothic, which I'm sure was uh, an iconic performance. It might have um, been. I mean, who? maybe he yeah, was maybe. some guy. I mean, he, it's a good fit. Some farmer horror movie, you know, where these people kill yeah. all these people. Maybe he has a great death scene in it. It's all possible. I just haven't mm -hmm. seen it and I'm not likely to. Uh, we do get that he does uh, appear in the same year as Harry Howler Oof. in Superman Thor: The Quest. Nuclear vision expert. Yes. Pinstripe, yeah, double-breasted, suit-wearing Harry Howler in Superman: The Quest for Peace. 
Beyond that, anyone else want to take over for this one? Brian, you look like you're ready yeah, to say I do. something. I want to say something because it was we were talking about it before the show. Folks, when you Google this, it's not the Howler that shows up in the Harry Potter film Chamber of Secrets. That, nope, that's not the same Howler we're it's talking about. It's not Harry Potter. Uh, nope, Harry um, Potter, not at all. Not related. Somebody was sent a Howler, which is yeah. spells the same way. Yeah. Nope, this is all the quest for peace about how nuclear fission and anything nuclear is bad that's basically the premise it's bad it's bad <laughs> and harry explains it all to you um yep. yeah and then and then superman goes on a quest for peace and a, which is his quest to rid the world of nuclear weapons and it's terrible i mean superman for the quest for peace is as bad as you've heard it is really uh, yeah. really awful um would it be better if 40 to 49 minutes that were cut out of it were put back in it it would be it would still suck but it would be yeah. at least what they intended to show you what it is now is a movie that sucks that also has had any connective tissue that might have been useful to it taken out of it yeah. and it's just this short breeze of a what blink of an eye yeah. bit of non cheaply made canon film nonsense mm -hmm. and even superman 3 which you have your problems with is just nothing like this level of incompetence despite sydney j fury directing is a decent enough director and other talented people working on it it's just as wrong-headed and dumb but Harry Howler is right out of a comic book, man. He's super entertaining and funny. I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's like a good thing in the movie necessarily, but it's a great role for him that deserves a better movie, if we're being honest. I mean, Gene Hackman yeah. showing up for this thing. My, my goodness. I, yeah. I hope that he got paid a lot. I don't, I mean, maybe he just had fallen on hard times. I don't know. No, uh, I'm pretty sure he got paid a lot. I mean, that was, this was also. But did he from, from Canon? What, did they have a lot to even pay him? It doesn't feel like they had a lot for anything. It's, so I always question, no. how did he end up in this? You know, it, it has a very, I've never seen a film sort of vibe to it. <laughs> you know, where you're just like, what What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, what, what is this? You guys, what? Christopher Reeve has a story credit in it, you know, and you're just like, dude, you thought this up and thought this was a good idea? I don't know if maybe that story credit isn't necessarily for adding to it. It's for it, the nuclear thing. It. That's it's, that was his idea. Yeah. 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 That's so that's where the story credit comes from. Um, he didn't write the screenplay or anything, but you know, uh, the great thing about Harry is he, he's, he, he's a scientist. He's ridiculous. And it's a very fun role for him, but it, it, it's weird when, it, when in Sphinx even, which is not a good movie by any stretch, you could argue that about a few of these. It, it, you know, it's not. It, it's still. It's like his appearance is welcome somehow, and there's a yeah. dignity to its silliness, even in the sh shitty <laughs> Pink Panthers six and seven or whatever they were. It, you know what I mean? It, it you were yeah. like, oh, okay, you know, I get it. In this, it's like, well, here's a guy in a bigger role than normal, giving it his all, having a good time. And it's for nothing. It's for not. And you sense that right from the get-go in almost every scene in this film. I will say one thing, though. Harry Howler, by the rules of comic books, I mean, in Superman 5, he should have became some sort of hero, right? With that with that alliterative name? Or am I wrong about yeah. that? 
or a werewolf of some sort like yeah or i mean yeah he should have come become some sort of either a hero or a sidekick or a villain of some kind something but the yep. but the double mm-hmm. h's suggests a dark future or a heroic future for this guy right yeah Mm-hmm. Just something to point out that and not, we will and, never see come to fruition as uh, canon mercifully, after 13 years of making absolute schlock crap, folded their tent shortly after uh, Quest for yep. Peace. And so, the uh, first movie we've mentioned sorry, that doesn't have a meat joke with... Uh, the very first, well, name. Taxi Driver, not... Nah, I don't know. Oh yeah, but they sure. didn't really give him a mm-hmm. name, but yeah, there we go. Uh, I did write a uh, friend of the show, uh, Michael Kluge, text saying, do you have any comments on uh, William Hootkins's performance in American Gothic? Mm. And he just says, fantastic work as Teddy. Porkins <laughs> likes necrophilia. <laughs> All right, so, now, now maybe we should see it, huh? Now, yeah, uh, I'm like... Peak, All right, where's the stream? Yep. Thanks, Michael, for that contribution to the show. At this, that's very impressive. We appreciate <laughs> yep. that. I, I knew. I just knew he didn't show up in some, in a low budget horror movie like American Gothic to be in a tiny walk on role. Maybe yeah. he did. Maybe he's the store owner or something. But it felt like he was something in that movie, and it sounds like he really was. So <laughs> it's good that we did mention it, folks. Yep. Teddy's yep. into necrophilia. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Um, Yikes. Next up is, uh, you know, I, I would say, aside from Porkins, well, I mean, Major Eaton is pretty, pretty, uh, a, a pretty big role, too. But, I mean, he gets a pretty nice showy role. Yeah, in, his, his uh, last the- role, the one you're about to name, there's a few mm-hmm. other things to talk about because he was in some significant movies and some really great B horror movies after yeah. this but his last mm-hmm. big fanboy significant pop culture genius achievement joel mm-hmm. i'll let you say was it. as lieutenant eckhart in batman i'm batman yes i'm batman the Me? movie what? that started it all for the batman series if you look at the modern batman series like everything stems from that and they've been mm-hmm. trying to top that movie ever since it's hard to top. I mean, it's it's silly, and they've made Batman more serious, and they've yeah. gotten back to Batman's detective roots, and they've they've done a lot of great stuff with Batman. But from a I from a monster hit movie of the year, comic book film, with I mean, it was a big budget film for '89, but it didn't have any of the it has it has no CG of any kind in it. Even the cityscapes and stuff are all old fashioned matte paintings. Everything is done physically or with models, and it's and yet you feel the adventure. You are not bored. The fights are not lame. They're super fun. The gadgets are awesome. The vehicles are yeah. super cool. The and the performances across the board, and obviously Nicholson as Joker at the time, you couldn't have done any better than that. Nicholson yeah. showed up. He'd been adrift a bit in 80s films. Not that he'd been bad in them necessarily, but he really was a 70s film guy and was, you know, uh, we've talked about it, was at the heart of sort of 70s cinema verite and all that. Um and it, it just, this was it. This was his shot, and he knew it, to make a, a silly, over-the-top, fun 80s adventure movie. And just, he really does knock it out of the park. That They create 
they almost create the role around him, the Napier yeah. slash Joker character. But throughout the film, um, Jack Palance, uh, the all the these sort of bit players, of which you would have to argue that that certainly that Lieutenant Eckhart is my favorite Eckhart moment. And there's he's great. He's just like he, his face barely moves when he talks. It's like a fully sort of realized guy again by Hoot in this yeah. world who knows he's in a big movie in a big expensive film with big movie stars. Like it's a totally different kind of thing he's bringing to the party. Um, but my favorite moment with Eckhart is he's not even in the scene. It's at the little at the little uh, charity casino thing, and they're talking about how uh, t- you know they're they're. They're breaking down Axis Chemical tonight, and it's the cop reporting to the commissioner. And the commissioner's like, "What? Why haven't I heard about this? Who's in charge?" And the the uniform guy goes, "Eckhart, sir." And Pat Hingle, "Oh my god! Okay, get going, get going, get going." <laughs> like he just—he's not even there, and yet his reputation within the cops is this. Oh, okay, it's the yeah. you know the guy we all know is this bent awful dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my favorite moment. I would it may not have gotten mentioned if there was somebody else in the show, but you, Brian, maybe you can talk about some of the highlights of the actual Eckhart when he when he first meets his antagonism toward, you know, uh, the psychos as he calls it. I don't. Yeah. I deal with the boss directly. I don't deal with the psychos, is what he says. A fantastic yeah, line. Palpable disdain in that <laughs> delivery, and yeah. it's like, damn. Like, Hootkins knows how to nail People these remember things. remember ads with a catchy song. So to help you remember that Liberty that? Mutual customizes your home insurance. Oh, that's an insurance ad. That is. I hope we get some money for that, Joel. All right. Yeah, uh, seriously. Yeah, man. We're, we're going to be able to hear that. Sorry. I don't know why that. I thought <laughs> You're looking for a, a nice ad and you were not supposed to hear the ads on the thing? Yeah, I'm looking for the ads. Yeah, yeah, we, you know yeah, me. yeah that's, always that's trying to <laughs> always shopping for insurance in your free time. Yep, no, I, I get what you're trying to do. You, like you did earlier with these little sound clips. We weren't supposed yeah, to hear that. Although up. we heard we heard a little preview of our of our B segment coming up here earlier today by accident, too. So, yeah, Zoom, yeah, yeah. maybe not fully cooperating with the William who can show shame on you, Zoom. <sighs> well, it is. April Fools. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and really even even oh, spoiler alert for Batman nineteen eighty nine. But even uh, Eckhart's demise, where he's like, "Hey, Eckhart!" Yep. His his turnaround to face camera is yeah. so like it's the most labored, uninterested, and yet still yep. like it takes effort for this guy to turn around in his trench coat and stuff. This wet, gross city that he works in. He's like. Bleh. And he sort of scowls and growls before yeah. he gets shot. It's it's awesome because Grissom, mm-hmm. I guess the reason I think of Jack along with Hoot in this is because Grissom, it's the passing of the old mobster yeah. Dick Tracy sort of bad guys. And we're, you know, Batman, like it's often explored, is elevating crime fighting to this level of of legend versus monster. And that's not necessarily a good elevation for, for anybody, even in a corrupt, awful place, you would much rather deal with the Eckhart's of the world than the psychos, yeah. as he says. Cause at least you know what you get with the Eckhart's, right? Exactly. And, you... and the film demonstrate that the cops yep. know he's dirty and yet he's still a cop. The boss of all the cops know he's dirty and he's still a cop because, yep. Hey, this is the way of the world until the mm-hmm. way of the world becomes 
shocked into some other reality. And it, it Burton's film is really smart, and Scarin and Sam Hamm's script is really smart, and that all that yeah. truly is in there, and in a great way where it doesn't examine, it doesn't stop the fun to examine or explore those right. themes. You don't right. feel like you're being lectured to, or that you have to sit through like, you know, some sort of case study of, well, here's where the things went wrong. I mean, I the Christopher Nolans like, do that. They attack it yeah. in that way. Yeah. And they're still good, but this film is first and foremost, a fun cartoon film. And it's not a cartoon, but it really is as cartoony yep. as you get for a live action yeah. film. Yep. And who does, fantastically cartoonish while still brilliantly underplayed. Like it really is in terms of his, in terms of nerddom, it really is a, the perfect capper to his career in that yep. what a, a 10 plus year span where he just it entertained us to death. Basically hit it. Hoot. I answer to Grissom, not to psychos. Why Eckhart, you ought to think about the future. There we go. Nice. Ah, I wish I wish it was a little bit louder, but it's a great hey. face up where Eckhart gets pissed and he pulls his yeah. gun out on Jack and and yep. uh, uh, Tracy is right there behind him the <laughs> his mm -hmm. loyal side guy to you know face off. Better think about it. You know it's yeah. it's mm -hmm. I mean all that is Eckhart just trying to get his gun out, man. I mean think yeah. we could have been spared the Joker altogether if his if he just wasn't so awkward with all that stuff and could have just shot him in the face. But again, that shows the character who can't be bothered with any of this stuff. So corrupt. He probably hasn't drawn his gun from his holster in ages. Is not right. operate in the most corrupt city. The one corrupt cop on the take, like his, his job yeah. is not very difficult. And, and that, that take on the character, it's a little bit on the page, but it's mostly just, I, what am I dealing with this stuff for? Like, I'm not going to get even in the shootout. He's not in the shootout. He's wandering around. He's just not taking part anymore. Just give me my cut. Yeah. F off. <laughs> and I'm done. That's really great. And all comes across. And again, not a super limited amount, but still a quite limited amount of screen time. He's fantastic in that role. And I don't think any, any other character actor could have done a better job than Hootkins. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to imagine anyone else doing it. That's one of the joys of it. I completely yeah. agree. Um, so okay. This next film, <laughs> the Pope you. must die. And then added, they added a T for the U S uh, version. The Pope must die. It didn't want to offend the Pope. Yeah. <sighs> oh, heaven forbid. But uh, Robbie, so a less than qualified and far from perfect priest is mistakenly named the new Pope. And as the pontiff, he must deal with Vatican corruption, the mob and the reappearance of his old lover. Robbie Coltrane is the titular Pope. It fun, stupid and 80s, late, 80s, late 80s coming yeah. is Cardinal Verrucci. Am I remembering Verrucci. that right? Yep. Cardinal Verrucci. So it's the, Again, there's not much to this role. He's the fat cardinal who's in the little conclave of cardinals that, you know, <laughs> it's, again, it's classic hoot. It's funny. It's memorable. It's it just, yeah. even when he's just sitting there and not doing anything, it, his presence is felt. Um, I don't have a lot to say about the Pope must die it, but um, 
but that it's it it is it is funny. It would have been funnier if they didn't have to change the name. It's one of those sad films where it didn't even get to be the movie it was because there was this yeah. stupid non-controversy controversy around it. But it's it's a it's the the what it reminds me of, and it partly because he has played priests, cardinals, and popes in cameos many many times throughout the years. The guy, the guy that. Uh, who takes his inspiration from in this film is Dom DeLuise. And if you're thinking about mm-hmm. that, you're pretty much on the right track and it's, it's not bad. Have you seen this, Brian? It, you know, uh, when it came out, like, but you don't really, run. it's a lot of movies. It, yeah, like I, I haven't seen it since. So yeah. a few things coming up on this list. I'm like, I, yeah, I saw him, but yeah. well, who was he in it again? Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, like it, Haunted Honeymoon. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. know. We, he was, yeah, quote, I mean, reporter I, in that. So he must have been right mm-hmm. there at the very beginning when they were talking about going to, uh, you know. So, it again, mm-hmm. little bit role, but reporter. Yep. Uh, well, reporter I mean, yeah, whose I guess, name uh, must have been you Flank. Can... Yeah. Flank <laughs> Jackson. Flank, yeah. Flank. Yeah. There we go. Yep. <laughs> Back uh, to the well, we might as well name the, name the taxi yeah. driver and <laughs> ground right? beef Thomas. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent USDA choice Smith. Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Cutlet Jones. <laughs> yep. No, in that way, I think it should be John Cutlet. That's even better. John Cutlet. Yeah. Yeah, um, I like that. I like uh, okay, Cutlet so, as a proper surname. Uh, well, where the river runs through it, I'm sure it was probably like Trout Murphy was his name. <laughs> it uh, might have been. It would have been appropriate. Mur- right? Murphy in. Um, well, he also he also was. Uh, before I get to River Runs Through It here, um, he also was the Bark Troll and the voice of Falcor in the Never Ending Story. A three. Apparently, they made three of them. <laughs> um, yeah, all the, it's right there in the title. Yeah, there Story it is. Never ends. Uh, all right, so he was in a river runs through it, um, and he played uh, Murphy. And I don't remember him. Uh, he's he's one of the you know how um, the woman in it is hanging out with that guy who's clearly. You know, they take him fishing and he shows up late and then he gets the terrible sunburn and you basically meet his whole family. I could be, oh, yeah. I, I, even, I even could be wrong about this, but I believe Murphy is in that scene and he's the uncle or whatever of that huge extended family in that really awkward scene where they all go. Because okay. I don't think he's one of the bad guys in the bar or anything like that. I'm quite certain he's yeah. one of those, one of the upper crust of Missoula, Montana, Circo, whenever that movie takes place. Um, and as one of the people who's appalled at the treatment of their most beloved and yet totally useless son, who we believe is a closeted homosexual or whatever. I'm not sure the, I'm not sure the movie plays as fair with that as the book does that idea. It sort of plays it for laughs. And if you're going to play something for cheap laughs, why don't you get Hookins in the room? It probably, it'll at least make the day go by in a more pleasant way. Um, yeah. so that's that, but I mean, I think it's worth mentioning uh, again, here's a prestige Oscar nominated film that he's a part of. So he's not just even in these bit parts, even if he's not putting the clown makeup on, he's still basically doing cool work. So that's, that's why I added it to the list. 
because mostly he was doing stuff like the next movie we're going to talk about. Yes, he was. He was doing uh, he was playing the role of Krill in the Isle of Dr. Moreau. And I love whenever the Island of Dr. Moreau remake comes up, or I guess there have been several versions of it throughout the years. But I mean, whenever the, the 90s Isle of Dr. Moreau comes up. Whenever somebody's talked about being in it, Ron Perlman or or Kilmer, or the, yeah. the kid from uh, Northern Exposure, I can't remember his name anymore. Um, it, it, they, it always says, and also appearing with Marlon Brando in Isle of Dr. Moreau, mm-hmm. um, as if that's the only thing about it worth saying. And not only that, but just like it feel like you have to say it so that people will understand why you did it. Yeah. It always <laughs> comes like as an excuse <laughs> to appearing in any sort of role in that film. And, and you know, Kirill's just, it's a one of those weird heavy makeup roles. There's a whole bunch of them in it. He does as good a job as anybody, but it's not, he's, he's it's, it's weird. He's not really noticeable in it. Um, which just shows you how bad Isla Dr. Moreau is. If you can stick William Hookins in a film where he plays a half animal, half human, and he's not memorable, your movie sucks. Because how can you not nail that? Yeah, seriously. I mean, you know, and hey, we'll look we'll look the other way. Hookins was very, very memorable in hardware, which did we skip that? We must have, because this was supposed to be Richard Stanley's next film. Ah! Oh shoot! Yes, I did. I jumped. So, right. I was so stunned by the oh, Pope must die. It. Uh, well, so let's that, talk well, about no, we go back. But the point is, yeah. Richard Stanley had made this low budget uh, sort of sci fi horror film, Hardware, and when it came time to make his dream film, The Isle of Doctor Moreau, he brought his friend, which who was very fun and very memorable in Hardware, in a little stupid role. Where in this case, where he and we'll we'll play you almost the entire performance, at least the the crux of the entire performance here in a second, um, where he came on set and was like, "Hey," and 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 the director said, "You know, hey, try whatever." I rem- there's a great John Hurt, who's not really related to this topic. But there's a great quote of his because he's been in lots of lots of seventies improvisational roles. Alien comes to mind, where half yeah. of what he's saying really isn't even in the script. Um, and yet it's still really, really memorable. But he was talking about Elephant Man. He's like, I didn't change a word from that script. And he goes, and I'll I'll improvise if it gets you somewhere. This is a great way of saying it. I'll do it if it gets you somewhere. But yeah. I would rather there be a script that a writer wrote than to have to show up and write it myself. <laughs> but in some cases, perhaps hardware being one of them sometimes you just say hey man got any ideas i mean as this guy's just here for this scene where he tries to you know yeah. get her out of this thing and then he's killed mm-hmm. or whatever uh you know anything you want to do and of course he said it that in this case stanley said it to the right guy and what he did was absolutely hilarious it got him a double credit in the movie it made them yeah. have to get rights to a song that they weren't planning on all this stuff <laughs> that of stuff of legend on low budget filmmaking um, but Stanley was, he had him in stitches. He loved him in it. Like he really thought he was great. So he's like, Hey, I got it. It's my dream thing. His dream crashed and burned, of course. And I, of Dr. Moreau, he didn't even get to finish it. 
that's a story we've told before mm-hmm. and will no doubt tell again. But th- there's the connection. It's why he's in both films is because Stanley loved yeah. what he did with Hardware, where he played this. It, he's supposed to be rescuing her, but really is he almost plays it like a plumber who showed up but doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> and uh, and the best part of the performance is the song that he sings, and we'll we'll play that for you now. Here we go, Link, and I love that it's actually titled Link the Creeper. <laughs> Link the Creeper. Link. Yeah. Also not Lincoln Weinberg. Related. Yeah. Link is not unmeat related, folks. It's That's, not unmeat related. Not. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's here's Link. What if I sing? You want me to sing? I don't really care. Just get us out of here. Okay. <laughs> oh, we all walk the wibberly wobberly walk, and we all talk the wibberly wobberly talk. Oh, we all wear wibberly wobberly ties. And we look at all the pretty girls with wibbly wobbly eyes. I made that up. (laughs) (laughs) He he did not make it up. No, Um, not the slightest. (laughs) I made that up. That's so good. It's really, really My funny. favorite part. So talking about like, just come up with something. Be, be warned, you know, hardware, go. watch out for hardware. It's yeah. got a, a really good rep and it's got that in it, which makes it maybe seem like it's fun, but do beware of it. It is pretty intense and, and really vulgar and, and uh, bloody film. But I, I, I will give, I mean, to again, to show like, because clearly this was not on the page. It's like, should I sing for you? And um, <laughs> I mean, I sure it came. I'm sure I mean, he didn't just do it when the cameras were rolling. They yeah. found it in rehearsals or whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It but, just. But here's, but here's what's brilliant about it. Is he goes, should I sing for you? And she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he just goes, and maybe you could hear it a little bit in that. Give it. He's just like, oh, Lord. <laughs> he, counts, he counts himself in. And I and it, I love that. I love that little choice. He oh takes a couple extra seconds to to just like, oh, Keith, I'm gonna. Do well, and you can tell there's that. those breaks in there where whether this is acting or whether it's genuine, it's equally yeah. brilliant either way. Where he's trying to remember the words, you know, there before the mm-hmm. final stanza, there's a big pause. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I that's really that's again very very memorable. Yep. In a movie that has nothing to do with any of that, that's fun. Uh, and that you know, I mean, there's there's plenty. He they continued on for on years and years. Yeah, he was yeah. lots of hardware like stuff, Death Machine, and he shows up in mm-hmm. Moon Forty Four and some other stuff. But uh, it you know, lots of voice, lots of voice work. Lots of voice um, work yeah. yeah, yeah, lot lots of TV appearances. So I mean, yeah, William Hootkins, man. William Hootkins had himself a career um, and he probably, you know, he passed away in 2005 uh, from cancer. So, you know, he, he was, he was still relatively, relatively young. He was only 57 when he passed, Uh, you know, he'd only be, he wouldn't even, you know, he'd be about 65 now. So we might still be getting some good. From a character actor standpoint, I mean, he'd be, he'd been in his prime since then. So absolutely. It's, you know, totally, totally. 
Who knows what we do? And with all this content, I mean, he easily could have been a recurring well, guy on a TV show or something. Anything could have happened. He, yeah, he could, and I would have liked to he have could think, do it all. And I would like to think that maybe, you know, whether it's on Andor or one of these Disney Plus series, maybe, maybe we could have even had a return of, of Jack, Jack Porkins. Porkins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah. Porkins, even though for all the comic things that are built into it, to go back where we started, to end where we started, I mean, it he plays that straight. Like, that's a character where we could see him show up as part of the Rebel Alliance in a straight scene, and yeah. I would have liked to seen that. In fact, I would have liked to seen more of that. I would have, he's, his comic instincts and his comic timing and his own wit and his own sense of humor about himself is obviously what made his career as we remember it. But I would, I would have been neat to see him, you know, get to have roles mm -hmm. of substance that, that had some dramatic heft to them. I would have liked that. And I think that might have come more than what we experienced ultimately, because I think that's where, that's where his career at his age could have turned a corner and been something else. I, I, I lament that, but man, the memories that guy gave us, man, the wibbly yep. wobbly walk. It's, you know, he's, <laughs> it's just, yep. he's worth giving tribute to for all the jokes. He's worth it because he's just, yeah. he really did the job of a guy in that role to a T and, and every moment we spend with them is like a neat treasured moment to me. So well, what else, what more can you ask from a guy with that job? Yeah. Right? yeah you really can't. Yeah. You really can't. Yeah. Um, all right. So I hope you enjoyed our tribute to William Hootkins. Um, we do have, I did create a little game for Ryan and Brian Ooh. to participate in inspired by Jack Porkins. Uh -huh um and this is uh this is going to be a little it's 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 uh, i'm using the what do you do but it's kind of a this or that which we hear in this theme so i'm gonna go ahead and give us a what do you do i don't know what do you do what do you do What should I do? I don't know. Maybe this one. <laughs> okay, so the so inspired by Jack Porkins, uh, I'm going to name two. I'm going to give you the names of two characters from the Star Wars universe, and you have to tell me which one is actually a name, and which one is something that. My, me my wife and my son made up now you have you can choose one or you can choose both and say i think both of those are characters but at least one of these is always going to be a real character in the star wars universe okay. so i will start with are you guys ready you guys, do you need do you need a moment do you need any clarifications on the rules that it could be both really threw a wrinkle into this that i think yeah. is playing unfair with us very much so i just for the record before we begin formally i'm still prepared to play the game joel but i just want okay. you to know here's the okay well you know let's see the only thing that make it worse is if you said they could also be neither <laughs> No, no, no. There will always at least be one. These okay. are too good to... Uh, to, to then we'll to, let you off the hook. Okay. So the first one is Babu Frick or Nasto the Dude. 
Nasto the dude is fake. Babo Frick is real. Babo Frick is definitely real of the two, <laughs> although both are hard to believe. Yeah, and Babu Frick is one of my favorite characters. Is he? Uh, just, yes, just because of Absolutely. his little moment in the final, uh, in uh, the uh, Rise of Skywalker, when he's like, "Hey, hey!" Just oh yeah, that guy. Few good things to come out of that film. Yeah, Babu Frick. Uh, all right. Uh, next up, Babu Frick had more screen time than Dennis Lawson had in it. Yeah, that's true. Um, Stomaroni Stark. Or Yarel Poof. Poof. I'm going with Poof. Both are fake. They can't uh, both be uh, fake. Hey, well, at least not, one has to be real. Be fake. I'm going and with Poof is real. real. Okay, yeah, then I'm going to go with Stomaroni Stark and Yarel Poof. It's the Yarel uh, part that Yarel sounds Poof. very yeah. Star Wars-y. And if you made that up, then hats off to you. But I think it's Yarel Poof that's real. Yeah, same. Both are real. Both are real. What the? Uh, Stark. What did you say? Uh, you were doubly wrong, Brian. You were like both I are fake. That at first, I thought both of them were fake. You sound very, very fake. Yeah. Uh, all oh, right. <laughs> Do I get half credit for that one then? At least. Uh sure. Okay. Uh, next up is Dexter Jetster or Jettila. Uh. Dexter Jetster can't be real, or whoever came up with that should be fired from their job. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the other one, uh, Jet Tila. Yeah, Jet Tila. See, uh, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna Dexter Jetster. You're getting behind. Is, is, yeah, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put anything past like these the people, are... but I'm just saying that's a terrible name, one way or another. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Dexter Jetster is indeed a real character uh, in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Side note, Jet Tila is a chef and uh, he's a real person too, but he's not a Star Wars (laughs) He's a chef on. Well, it sounded real Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. So good one. Good trick. Uh, I I, I fell Uh, for that. (laughs) I I love this. (laughs) I'm I'm giving away the store on this one, but. I love this next name. Cheerio <laughs> Grudge Ball. Who? Cheerio <laughs> Grudge Ball. <laughs> or Plo Koon. Plo Koon's real. Cheerio Grudge Ball's fake. <laughs> I, when my Surely, son came or there's up with, no hope for justice in the world anymore. <laughs> when my son came up with Cheerio Grudge Ball, I, I howled. I laughed so hard. I loved Cheerio Grudge Ball it, so much. He's got to make a drawing oh. and do a bit of fan fiction on, on Cheerio because we yep. would all read and partake in that. That guy oh sounds like God. somebody who's got a story to tell. Cheerio grudge yeah. ball. Is is he soggy? Like angry. <laughs> oh. He's pissed off about something, or you know, or are you using the wrong name? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Up next is Antonio Lafaso or Elon Sleesbagano. <laughs> well, there is an Elon Sleesbagano in reality. Um, but not in Star Wars. <laughs> so it must be the other guy yeah, by default, Antonio you're saying. Is, yeah. Antonio Lafaso. Yeah. Ryan, is that what you're saying too? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm right. trusting Brian to know what he's talking about, but yes. <laughs> Antonio Lafaso 
is another chef on Food Network. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Elon Sleazebagano is an actual character in the Star Wars universe. Oh, Jesus. Which God, shows you no. that how Cheerio Grudge Ball is really pretty close to the mark. <laughs> yeah. If you can have a, a, um, Antonio Sleazebagano in it, then good Lord. Yeah, Elon. Sle- so Elon Sleazebagano is in Attack of the Clones. And he's the guy who's like, I don't want to sell you Death Six. Oh, that's uh, Elon Slade. He's, oh he's my that favorite. Dude, that yep. dude. Oh my god, the interactions with that dude are fucking hilarious. I didn't know his name was yep. Elon. Best Sleaze part of Attack of the Clones by Begano. far. Yep. I want to go home and go rethink home my and life. That life. guy is yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. And an excellent um, use of Jedi, you know, power of suggestion yeah. powers, in my opinion. You don't want to sell me. Uh, I feel like I, I feel like Elon's really turning a corner in that moment. Like he's really is going to live better. I like this that it just says the last we saw of Mister Sleeve Bagano, <laughs> he was headed outside to rethink his life. That's right, right. I'm glad you brought up that guy because he is great, and that's a great t- yep. name for him because he. But it's an unfair name because it's a name you never hear. You know, no. in which case you can really call him whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's just a bit but of a cheat. Well done, um, Lucas. Well done part. on picking that one. Yeah, yeah. Yep. that's great. Uh, okay, it sounds totally next... made up and bullshit. It to- oh, yeah, one hundred percent. Like next up is Wall Cabashite or Kit Fisto. Oh, Kit, Kit Fisto. Fisto, I know. Kit Fisto real. was yeah. there at the end when uh, the yeah. Emperor becomes the Emperor. Man, he was the first mm-hmm. guy through the door, second guy to die. Kefisto's yep. a legend. Plus, he's got the Kifisto's most curvy, legend, yeah. sort of weird name of any of the Jedi of his era. Yep. And, and, um, and he won the award for that in a poll on The Onion, if I remember correctly. So, uh, You guys would recognize Kit Fisto if we showed you to him. He's featured a lot in mm-hmm, the prequels, mm-hmm, just kind of yep. in the background or whatever. And uh, I, I'm not ashamed to say it, uh, goes out like a chump. He, he just does go out like, he contributes know. almost nothing to that confrontation. Yeah, there you I, go. Yeah, Mace um, Windu, he kind of goes out like a chump too. But by yeah. comparison to Kit Fisto, he at least you know he's holding his own for a bit. Yep. It's really only Anakin interfering that sends Mace yep. Windu flying out the window. Spoiler alert for uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. For the- <laughs> uh i'm just trying to find i was trying to find where uh where and i, I apologize to everybody for the serious discussion of kit fisto that this game <laughs> does not call for that and yet it, i couldn't help myself uh yeah uh good old kit fist yeah kid kid uh kit fisto but um you know i you know i feel a little bit uh um uh a, a little bit uh disingenuous because wool cabashite is also a real is also a real what? Uh, Who's he? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I'm trying to find because I knew it you sounds were real. Wall Cabochite sounds like a that sounds yeah. Star Warsy. It doesn't sound nearly funny enough to be uh, fake. Okay, so Wall Cabochite is uh, AKA Goal. Okay, Jabba's Palace. Uh, he's in Jabba's Palace, and uh, it's he's like hanging from the ceiling, and he's got a he's. He's a long, he's got this giant tongue that's just sticking out. Uh, he gives, uh, he's, it's notable for giving CP, C3PO a lick 
as he presents Luke Skywalker's ultimatum to Jabba. Oh my God. Yep. Wolf so apparently Cabochite. he is a name and he is Wool Cabochite. All right, then. All right. <laughs> um, okay. Unkar Plut or Ninkumpupolis? <laughs> oh, Unkar Plut from... Yeah. I know he's a pretty famous character, actually, from from uh, Something Awakens. Um, so that's the right... And there's no way that Ninkumpupopolis or whatever that guy's name Ninkumpupolis. was. Yeah, I'm agree with that, Ryan on this one. That's another uh, strong. I appreciate strong the attempt to get a, a Greek character into the Star Wars story, <laughs> but but I don't think uh, his yeah. name would be Ninkumpupulus. Yeah. Uh Yeah, I got it. Again, that was too good. That was we should get a clip of Webster going, Mister Ninkumpupulus, <laughs> and Mrs. Uh, Ninkumpupulus. Uh, <laughs> right, they're okay. the ones that uh, adopted Webster. Or am I remembering that wrong? Uh, Papadopoulos. Oh, Papadopoulos. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes more and sense. And the reason why he calls her ma'am is because he, uh, he, that's as close as he can come to saying mom. Papadopoulos. <sighs> we call, well, he, he just should have said Papadopoulos, ma'ams, ma'am. Um, uh, and, uh, okay. Next up. Troik Mutroik or Moma Nadone. I don't know. They both could be real, but I'm going with Maymal Nadome. The second one for sure is real. I'm going to go with both of them. I think they're both. I'm yeah, I mean, if the I... second one is real, it's the first one I'm hesitant on, but it sounds like it could be a Star Wars. Do we win? Uh, let's see. Uh, Moma Nadone is indeed a character. Yeah. But no Troik Mutroik ah. is not. You know who Moma Nadone is? Who? Or Moma Nadon. It could be Nadon. Okay. Uh, that's Hammerhead. We oh. always call you know, everyone Hammerhead. Oh, we all called him Hammerhead. Hammerhead. Yep. Uh, all right. Next up. Ponda Baba. Or... Ponda Baba. He's real, Pond... baby. Yeah. He's and real Dud as Bolt. brain. Yeah. Or who? Dudbolt. Dudbolt oh, sounds sort of real, too. It does. I mean, it... it... It sounds fake, but it sounds like one of those fake ones that might be real. <laughs> you know, that's a tricky one. Uh, so the first one's real for sure. Yeah, agree. Because uh, I, I, I even know who that is, but but uh, I don't know about the second one. That's a hard one. I'll say real, but I feel like I'm probably. I'll say be wrong. I'll say fake. Okay. Yeah. It I is said... real. Ah, Bolt <laughs> is uh he's the dude who is he's one of the pod racers in Phantom Menace and his nice. is the one who like it like uh blows up right away, I believe is his uh is half his of a blew up right oh, away. No, no Dudbolt. Uh, or is Dudbolt might be the one where uh Sabalba tosses the thing that tosses a bolt back or whatever and it goes into his thing and he, but anyway oh. but his that dude's name is Dud Bolt. Nice. Um all right, next up Gross Nostro or CO Bibble. Those are both real. Yeah. CO Bibble is of course uh one of the advisors to uh to the queen uh, for the against the trade federation of Naboo, right? Yep, yep. I knew Naboo, that one. Yeah. Yep, but the first uh, one got to be real. But I just don't know who it is. Yeah, Gross Nostro uh, does not exist. Ah, uh, uh, 
Gross Nostro. I thought he'd be some. You, you should be yeah, sending these I names into somebody, man. Right. I thought Gross that Nostro was... is a great name for a big nosed CG character mm-hmm. in one of the prequels. I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was racking my brain, going, which senator was that? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Senator Gross Nostro. Yeah, that would be a, yeah. That's a perfect. <laughs> senator Gross Nostro. Uh, That'd be the right. ultimate thing if if you were to make up a name and it turned out it was already a thing. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't. I didn't search far enough and was like, oh yeah, no, that dude's real. No, it was. It was. Might, and this might be one of the that guy. Over might there. be one of the. Uh, <laughs> might be one of the only times we get a letter to the to the show is some some guys hey, like oh, Gross Nostro is real. Pork. Gross Nostro. Right, gross right, right, Nostro. Right, right. Yeah, we know Gross Nostro. In the Battle um, of Pippoli, he was blah, 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 blah. If you're that person, thank you for listening. Yeah, yes, no doubt. thank you. Thank you, you for listening. And you you found kindred spirits, but I, you've also tolerated a lot of sort of mm-hmm. mistakes and yeah. miscues by us, so we appreciate that very much. <laughs> yep. uh, all right. Sweet Conquer Kill, or... <laughs> Sweet Conquer Kill, or Muns Loda. Mun's Loda is, is real. Me. There's no way yeah. Conqueror Kill no. can be real. And if he is, that's just a joke that isn't fair to anybody. Sweet uh, So Sweet Conquer Kill is in Revenge of the Sith. Oh my god. Get out. Really? And weirdly enough, he is Senator Sweet Conquer Kill. <laughs> he is in Emperor Perse at that time, Chancellor Palpatine's uh uh, at the he's at the opera with him like he's a good he's like good buddies with <laughs> one of those weird looking guys yeah yeah, yeah one of those right. weird dudes that's yeah. uh senator sweet conquer kill sadly oh, mun's loda only Big. exists in my head so we were totally really? wrong man he oh my duped God. us you've duped us as many t- i mean we know star yeah. wars pretty good you've yeah. duped us almost every time where we didn't absolutely know who the character was yeah <laughs> yeah well done dude. <laughs> unbelievable well done. Uh, thank you all right next up is elo asti or slow and low see i now i don't i don't trust myself no yeah now you can't even it, neither of those guys sound legit they probably both no, are they i'll don't. go with both since that's the opposite of what i think ah. I'm gonna slow and low sounds fake. I mean, that sounds like you slow and low does sound fake. But like, come on, (laughs) but Elon Slee's Bago or whatever. I mean, that that's really what blew this open into even the fakest sounding dumb thing could be real. And we've not recovered since then. To my not still, still gonna you know. go with it. The the porn name does not fit Star Wars. Like, yeah, that's so. a good that's a good point. Okay, I'll go with the first one too. I'm gonna I'm gonna change my answer to the first one's real, second one's fake. Should have stayed with both of them are real. Ah, ah, damn it. Okay. JJ Abrams uh has a habit I of uh or has a thing about putting known. or trying to work oh in Beastie Boys references to everything. So Elo Asty is uh Hello Nasty. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and um that dude is uh if, if you saw his picture it abs you would absolutely go oh that guy because he um he was this uh kind of weird looking uh alien dude but he was a pilot for the uh in um one of uh, one of the guys attacking star killer base cool. in the force awakens yep. uh and um slow and low uh also uh from um uh, Force Awakens. Here, that one, yeah, and no, that's from uh, the Last Jedi. Mm. Um, and uh, let's he was see. in the casino, or he something? was in 
he's the guy who tells them that they can't park their ship on the beach in Canto. That dude at the casino. Oh my god! Like we never hear that guy's name. I'm sure he has a very intricate backstory about how he ended up there. I, I can tell you, L.O. Nasty is not as cool as Porkins, period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes a little less subterfuge in the naming is it yeah. does go a long way. Elon yeah. Sleesbago. Sleesbago. Uh, all right, next up, Just Moco or Mart Matin. I'm gonna show myself out. Like <laughs> <laughs> just Moco, Mart Matin. I'm gonna just say Moco. <laughs> I so guess. Just I don't know, real? man. Just I'm put us say... out of our misery and get through <laughs> yeah. the rest. I'm of sorry. I feel bad. No, Matt Matin, Mart Matin is a real person, and it's and just uh, Moco is being you named after Matt Martin. Matt Martin, who's a member of Lucasfilm, uh, he, he works for Mo- so it's a takeoff on his name. And so Jeff it's a Moko stupid is... name named after a real name, yep. which is what it sounds like. But uh... Uh, all right, next, uh, yeah, Wait, Just Moco they... totally made up. Just okay, Moco, t- so I was up. half right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, let's see. Next up, okay. The, uh, there's two characters, but I wanted to name them together here. Uh, for obvious reasons, there's Klaatu and Barada, and then there and, and the uh, or Abakache. I I believe Klaatu and Barada. Otherwise, why would you even be saying it? If you made that up, that's dumb. Um, because <laughs> we all know what that is. So it must be some other actual Star Wars person being dumb, and not Joel and his family being dumb. That's my bet. Yeah. As to whether the other one is real or not. Abaca, Abaca Che. It feels like it could be real, Abaca Che, or it could be real, but it's not in Star Wars. You know, you've really given us a lot of stuff to think about. I'm going to go with the first one's real and the second one's fake. Okay. You guys are correct. Klaatu and Barada are the names of two of Jabba's henchmen. Makes yeah, sense. Okay. Um, and Abaca Che uh, was... I, I think my son sort of trying to do a pig Latin version of Chewbacca. <laughs> nice. Abaca <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. I think that, I think that's where he got that one from. Nice. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, next up warm, loathsome or Tupper Wareheimer. Oh my God. Okay. Tupper Wareheimer has to be fake, but warm, loathsome is another porn name here. And it has to be real. So I'm going to go. So one of them has to be real. Yeah. It's the first one. I can, I can't say for sure anymore, but the first one should be the one that's real, man. Not Tupperware. If they, if they're really resorting to that in actual canon, then it should be brought out back and shot. Yeah, exactly. Sadly, sadly, Tupper Wareheimer does not exist. Uh, But I should give, I should. I should give his honor, uh, his uh, his honorific. It's general warm, loathsome. <laughs> okay, good. And he's obviously <laughs> um, a bad guy. And, and in which battle did General Warm Lotion die? He's in the Clone the warm Wars. Warm, loathsome, uh, not lotion. Yeah, I don't know. It's getting close. <laughs> warm <laughs> lotion. No, he is. Uh, he was part of a separatist uh, movement yeah, separatist in movement uh, prequels in yeah. the Clone Wars. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Next up is uh, Garopolis Da or Milton Putna. Uh, 
Oh. I've broken. I've broken I, them. I give oh up. Garoppolis Da. Garoppolis Da, I think, is is real. Or Milton Putna. Milton Putna sounds fake. What's the first one? Garoppolis Da. da. So, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, Joe, well, I'm going to go with the first one, too. And not you need to run this game. Although they could both be real, for all we know. This game Lieutenant, hurts my head. Lieutenant Milton Putna appears in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. <laughs> and uh, Garoppolis Da does not exist. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the last one. Finally, the Brian's last one. Brian's whole complexion has changed. Look at him. It's like a, <laughs> just like a tomato. I'm just. I'm what, look what you've done to Brian, here. Joel. I'm just sorry. You need sorry. to take this. You need to take this this entire thing with these answers and go to celebration and run it as a quiz and see That's how true. many other Yeah, Star Wars I would fans love. Oh, that would be fun. Rip their shit up. And walk yeah. away. Well, you may um, have to right. you may have to limit yourself to either or if you do that so yeah. be aware but yeah still. that's true or they'll uh, think all right cheating. next up yep next up is uh, and the final one last up is gorm lub butter <laughs> <laughs> or therm scissor punch scissor punch <laughs> even though love butter is really really weird Gorn it love can't butter. be scissor punch it can't be Therm, it just Therm can't be Joel. Punch. it can't be scissor oh. punch so i'm going with the first one Gorn i can barely butter. speak the words at this point but uh, brian. brian come on say something it's okay Huh? Love butter or I scissor was... punch? You got to pick. <laughs> I've been on mute, dying laughing the entire time. So you got... <laughs> I didn't mute myself laughing. What are you doing? Uh, no, we should have been I, laughing I, together. I accidentally muted this is myself. a radio <laughs> show, after uh, all. How, how hard I was laughing, I accidentally muted myself. Uh, oh, Love man. butter, as porny as that name sounds, is going to be the real one. Because scissor punch sounds even... <laughs> That can't be the real one. It can't be, oh, or... God. <laughs> or I just no longer have the faith in the belief of a benevolent God. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, let's quote directly from the official guide to Solo, a Star Wars story. Therm insists you call him Therm Scissor Punch. Though it's unknown if this is a nickname or he's desperately trying to create a name for himself. He is a gambler uh, in, uh, yeah, in Solo, a Star Wars story. Therm Scissor Punch is a real character. Good God. Gorm Love Putter is sadly uh, part, Love. will be, a, will be a, a, a subject of fan fiction, I hope. If, if, if I see either Kasdan walking down the sidewalk, I'm going to oh. smack them in the face. 
for Thurm Scissor Punch. Oh, Thurm I have a lot to be grateful punch. to them for, you know, Silverado <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, all this stuff we talked about mm-hmm. tonight with Hoot, but that's not cool, man. You made fools of us all, and that's just not. It's just, yeah, you you got me questioning cool. how close I pay attention to the Star Wars yeah. universe. Like, well, yeah, you, remember, most you of thought these, you were we, pretty badass, didn't you, Brian? We're, I did, weird. I did, and then this this quiz show happened, and now oh. I'm nobody. <laughs> <laughs> well, we somehow went over time again, even in the William Hookin yeah. show. So probably yeah. time, y'all, it catch is your time breath. Time to wrap it up. Yeah, you can uh, reach out to us at the Movie Show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook. And, of course, if you are watching us on uh, YouTube, like and subscribe. You can uh, Especially you also with subscribe. show ideas. We need some yep, of those And you right should now. also uh, uh, like us, uh, subscribe to us, like us, give us a review. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would, uh, that would be wonderful. Um, goes a long and, way. A good uh, review we'll, really goes we'll, a long yeah. way. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I think that is going to do it, uh, for us this week. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Wouldn't have yeah. done the uh, William was... who can show with anybody else, man. I'm so glad you could come. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you both again. It's been a pleasure. Uh, all right. Uh, so until next time, everybody, we wish you a fond Cheerio grudge ball. Thank you for listening to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.